Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Having a disability, whether blindness or another, can be difficult too. Sometimes a person wonders if God is even there. Yeah, but in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find... We are not alone. In this lesson of Room 4216, we are going to be taking a look at Holy Week. And on each day of Holy Week, there are specific events that take place. There are also specific words that Jesus spoke. The challenge as we look at Holy Week is this. How do these events impact our lives today? And how do Jesus' words impact our lives today? Sunday of Holy Week. Finally, we have Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. It was one of the busiest holidays of the year. Passover, celebrated by thousands, all of Israel. Jerusalem itself expanded from 25,000 to 125,000 wow, people. that's quite an expanse. Into the midst of this, he comes riding a donkey. Earlier that morning, he had told two of his disciples to go to a village just outside Jerusalem and to find a donkey and her colt and to untie it and bring it to him. And if anyone asked, what are you doing? Say, the Lord needs it. And that's exactly what they did. They brought the two donkeys. They spread their cloaks on the colt. And Jesus rode this colt into Jerusalem. It's significant that... This animal is signified as an animal of peace. If Jesus were entering on a white charger, that would have been a king of war. But this was a man of peace. Finally, we have Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. And the crowd goes wild! Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! This really ticked off the Pharisees. The Pharisees liked their old way of life when it wasn't complicated. Uh, They didn't exactly uh, like the idea of Roman reprisal either. They were afraid their power would be taken away. And they didn't believe he was the Messiah in the first place. And so they rebuked and actually demanded Jesus to have the children be quiet. But Jesus said to them, If they are quiet, then the stones themselves will cry out. Jesus not only welcomed the praise of people, but wanted the praise of people. He clearly knows the right time to act. He didn't let the people praise him before, but he certainly is now. He's making a very bold statement. I am the Messiah. I am the King. As we look at this day, and then think in reflection to our lives... Jesus does, in many ways, demonstrate and show for us that he is God, that he is king. And so, so, how will we respond? Hosanna in the highest, 
Monday of Holy Week. Reading from John chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. In the temple courts, Jesus found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. That was because there were people from many different countries, and they had to buy their sacrifices, and so uh, they had people who could change their money for them. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here! How dare you turn my father's house into a market! Now taking up the story in Matthew 21, verse 13. It is written, he said, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it into a den of robbers. And now read the next verse that follows, please. Sure. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. We find here Jesus is very zealous, very consumed with having God's house be kept holy, that it should be a place of prayer and not a marketplace or anything else. It's fascinating, after he did the harsh action against the money changers and the animal keepers, he then turned and gave blessings. For Jesus is all about mercy. <laughs> In uh, everyday language, you might say, he challenged what he saw was wrong. He was willing to face conflict in order to resolve it for the good. And so, how does this apply to us today? Well, sometimes being cleansed by Jesus doesn't always feel so good. Sometimes it hurts when he has to open up that wound. But just as he hurts, he comes with the soothing medication. Our healer and friend shows us mercy. And as he lives through us, so we need to live this way as well. Tuesday of Holy Week. This day is all about... Teaching. Teaching by the use of parables and stories. We have teaching about the resurrection. Taxes. A vineyard. A wedding banquet. The end times. All these can be found in Matthew chapter 21, 22, 23, 24, and 25. The Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus with his own words, but he continued to bring it back to one thing, God's love. And so we can learn from this day that we need to always listen and be taught by Jesus. Too often our world is me-focused when it needs to be God-focused.
Wednesday of Holy Week. This day seems to be a very quiet day for Jesus, as the Gospel readings record very little about Wednesday. Perhaps Jesus rested, for this was the day before the great feast. There are two events that are recorded, and both are extremely significant. Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head while he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a very high price, and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. The other event that is recorded for this day is an extreme opposite to what we just heard. In the face of a gracious gift given by a woman, we find Judas going after blood money. He went to the Pharisees and struck a deal that he would deliver Jesus to them by cover of night for 30 pieces of silver. It might seem out of place, the episode of this gift given to Jesus, in contrast with 30 pieces of silver, but not really. Think about it for a minute. God gives gifts to us, we give gifts to God. Or do we? Do we ever withhold, steal, take things that shouldn't be ours? And the giving of gifts can be a sensitive subject, too. Very sensitive. Have you ever been in a situation where you've wanted to give, but couldn't? Have you ever been in a situation where you've been criticized by someone for a gift you've given? Or have you been critical of a gift given by someone else. This day teaches us to respect and remember gifts to God because He has given the most important gift of all to us. This is the first day of the great feast of Passover. This was the Jewish holiday that honored, celebrated, and remembered the tenth plague in Egypt. How an angel would pass over the houses that had blood on the doorposts and lintels, but those who did not have blood on the doorpost and lintel 
from the sacrificed lamb, the firstborn child would die. On this day, Jesus told his disciples where and how to make preparations for their celebrating this feast in Jerusalem, of all places, the special place for the Jewish religion. As the people of God celebrated this Passover meal, they remembered the covenant of old that God had made with them. It's in the midst of the remembrance of this that Jesus took bread and broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood, which is the new covenant in my blood. After this meal, then the disciples went to a place, a garden, and prayed. But there is more to this special day. From the archives of... This is the program... Faith Matters. This is from John chapter 13, verses 1 and following. It was just before the time of the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the extent of his love. The evening meal was being served. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel which was wrapped around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? You do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, you shall never wash my feet. Unless I wash your feet, you will have no part of me. Then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His body is clean, and you are clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also must wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So what is the takeaway from this day? Jesus himself said it extremely well five days earlier, Saturday, the day before entering Jerusalem, when he said in Mark 10, verse 45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus arrested, 
he was taken to the Sanhedrin, where they met in the middle of the night, Friday night, Friday morning. This in and of itself was illegal. It was supposed to meet by day, broad daylight, with advance notice of a trial. But not for this man, for they wanted to get rid of him, and so they did it secretly to hurry it through. They found him guilty of confessing to be the Son of God. To have him killed, though, the Jews would have to convince other officials to carry through with this act. And so Jesus was moved from not just one, but two, and finally to Pilate, for he was the one, the Roman authority, who would have the power to do so. Pilate was not eager to kill Jesus, because as an outsider, he was aware of Jesus' entry, quietly, not as one who was seizing power. Pilate and the Roman Empire was in a no-win situation. If he was executed immediately, he could have a riot on his hands. And if he was not executed, he again could have a riot on his hands. Being experienced in such matters, Pilate took a different approach. John chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they clothed him in a purple robe. And they went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was afraid. Having been thwarted, Pilate again spoke with Jesus, and as he did, he realized he was dealing with somebody he did not want to deal with, and so Pilate sought to free him. But the Jewish officials used their final and best trump card of all. If you release him, you are not a friend of Caesar's, they claimed, stating, in simple words, he said he is a king, and if you let him go, you will be treasonous in support of him and against your Roman emperor. Pilate knew that if this got back to Rome, he would be in extreme trouble, for others had died in a similar situation as he was presently in. Even if it's not true, he had to end this then. 
Continuing in John 19, now at verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lots who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished! With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Oh, but much more than that. These words aren't merely the culmination the last page being turned in a great novel. A sip swallowed from a can of soda, it is finished. No, these are the words that are written on the bottom of a bill, a receipt. It is finished, paid in full. To Telestai, our debt of sin is now erased. We are forgiven. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. God had finished the work he was doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work, the work of recreation. God saw what his son had done, and it was very good.
When we look at Holy Week, we see that Thursday was a visible example of Jesus' service of people. Friday is a visible example of people's treatment of Jesus. Even so. Regardless. On top of that. In spite of this. Or whatever you want to say. Friday's actions do not negate Thursday's service. In fact, Good Friday is just one more. No, the ultimate service of God to humanity. Join us next week as we speak of the resurrection and more. And please feel free to write to us. You can do so sending your comments and suggestions to info, I-N-F-O, at not-alone, N-O-T, dash, A-L-O-N-E, dot, net. Credits. Michael Crawford, The Holy City, from his album On Eagle's Wings. Robert Vaughn, as ever, our guitarist. Brent Ford, male narrator. And Carrie Ford, female narrator and technological assistant.